Today's episode of Inside the Wires is brought to you by Xenon Paddle. All Xenon Paddles have been designed and engineered by a paddle player right here in the USA. Take your game to the next level. Play with Xenon. For more information, visit xenonpaddle.com. Welcome to Inside the Wires. Hands down, the best podcast in all of racket sports. Listener discretion may be advised for a younger audience. Welcome back to yet another very special episode of Inside the Wires. I'm Ben, and over there we have Noah. On today's episode, we have four guests in our countdown to nationals. Coming in on the first show, we have possibly the best player ever, Steve Baird, and also four-time national champion, Hank, or Henry, Irvine. Following these two legends of our sport, we have the APTA CEO, Amin Kaduri, the man that's been at the forefront steadying the ship during this pandemic. Then we have the man responsible for you actually wanting to keep your tournament favor, the king of fusion, Jody Herzog. And for the first segment, we're going to join Steve Baird and Hank Irvine mid-conversation. Ben, we had a whole list of questions, probably 10 or 12 questions to ask these guys. And as soon as they both got on the line, Steve started talking to Hank and we just recorded and let it go from there. So enjoy the segment. Yep. So, you know, for this legend packed episode of your favorite podcast, as usual, sit back, relax and enjoy. played this year in tennis how many you've probably played 10 right what's that how many tennis tournaments the senior tour oh that's canceled this year we didn't play any oh you didn't no we usually we have eight weeks but there was no they had two of them but i didn't play any of them so uh this is too bad because it's really a great it's a great part of the, the year having all these guys come from all over playing you know, all these tournaments and it's a lot of fun. And, um, but because of the COVID, obviously, you know, the clubs just don't want to have people coming yeah. from all over to the club. Well, I should so we'll hopefully, hopefully next year. Hank, Ben Ashford and Noah are with us and there are, are there <laughs> moderators? Hi, well, Hank, Steve, how are I you? Love this. I want you to take Good. control. It's great. Yeah, you know, we, we should have the two of you interview each other. So forget this us. would be fantastic. <laughs> I, I don't know that we don't any of you. You guys can interview each other. How's that? <laughs> Hank, Hank, while we were waiting, I told them how Rod Laver calls you. Henry, how are you? When, when, you're at, when you're at Wimbledon. And then I told them about you getting, a, you know, the, the driver and the rooms and, and into the little club because you almost beat Stan Smith and Billie Jean. So I told them already. <laughs> He's my PR man because he makes up a lot of these stories as he goes along. <laughs> what was the score against Smith and Billy Jean with you and Helen? Was it? Well, uh, you know, close? first of all, it was a hundred years ago, so that that's hard to remember those things. Um, Stan, let's see, that was in '72, with the actually the year he won the tournament, so I had to play mm-hmm. him in the second round, and uh, he kind of routined me. Mm-hmm. But I got a 
it, it was like six three, and a tiebreaker nine eight and six four or something in the third. But uh, it was a, you know, it was a. It's nice to be on the court with a guy that uh, you know the number one seed and it goes on to beat everybody. So I didn't feel that badly, you know. Sweet. I only lost to the guy who won the tournament. That's right. If you hadn't lost to him, you would have won it all yourself. Have some fruit of difference. That's right. Exactly right. Exactly right. <laughs> That's great. This is a pertinent subject, though, Noah and Ben, because, you know, we, we're really try, trying to start the tour. And one of the biggest helpers were people like Hank and Fitzgibbon and Gravener and uh, Steele and Jennings and John Mangan, all of whom had played at Wimbledon and the U.S. Open in tennis. Um, oh, no kidding. So, Hank, I mean, am I missing anybody else? Did Russell um, at, at the Open? No, no, I don't think so. I think no. um, I just, you know, offhand. I mean, I think there were, uh, God, you know, it's such a long time ago. I can't even think about that far back, but... No, I think that you were right in mentioning those guys and uh, obviously coming from the tennis to paddle, um, you know, they brought a lot of experience and, and having played in, you know, I always think of Grabner who, you know, yeah. said some kind of crazy things on the court about, you know, this Mickey Mouse sport that we're playing. Because um, he, you know, the last time, you know, when you, know, you, when you done what he's done and so on it's uh yeah plus the fact that he couldn't he wasn't really as good at platform tennis as he would like to have been i think yeah and so it's always an interesting and i you know coming from where i came from having to go into the club at short hills and my first lesson had to be a paddle tennis lesson and i didn't know what the game was about i mean it was it was kind of an, an eye opener to try and have to teach the game uh, if you don't know anything about it. And so, I, I mean, I didn't know what platform tennis was until I got to the club. Yeah. So uh, it was, but the tennis, and obviously from my point of view, having played a lot of squash, I had an advantage, I think, for most of the tennis players because in tennis, if the ball goes by you, the point's over. Whereas in squash and racquetball to a certain extent, if the ball goes by you, that's just the beginning of the point, similarly for, tennis, for uh, platform tennis. So I just love the fact that somebody whacked the ball by you and you just, you just take a couple of steps back and scratch it off the back, the, the wire at the back and you're back in the ball game. You had, you had all but those the tennis players, the shots. tennis players don't, the tennis players didn't get that. Yeah. Yeah. But Gravener oh, was well. pretty darn good. Um, oh yes. He, oh, he yes. was, he, if he ever had played longer, I mean, he, he had played number two on the Davis cup when we right. won the Davis Cup in 68. Um, right. Oh, he was a hell of a tennis player. Yeah, he got to and, the finals. Uh, you know, semis at Wimbledon yep. in the singles. And, uh, you know, he really he really had a great career. But he was also, you know, he was kind of uh, obnoxious. I mean, I, I shouldn't say that. He was, uh, you know, a good competitor. And um, he, uh, he obviously... And he had some issues. I mean, I remember the year we played him in the national, and he played with Dougie, and uh, it was sort of unfortunate. But uh, we beat them, and um, he wasn't too happy. And so, uh, but he was, he was really, 
in terms of how quickly he took to the game, as you as you say, if he'd stayed and played longer, he would have been a real factor. Was that the year? You know, just for your uh, interest, Ben and, and Noah. You know, we got to play at a lot of special places. That match Hank was talking about, I believe, was in Forest Hills. No uh, kidding. In the they they set it up, and they even had a pro am and had Howard Cosell as the announcer uh, wow. for for the pro am. And then the next day, uh, or later that morning, they had a you know a sixteen draw, and uh, I, I guess that was was that for the Nationals there, Hank, or, or was that just the no the, the one the match. The match I was talking about was at Scarsdale. It was in the Nationals. Yeah, and that's when you 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 and, and that's Herbie when Dougie Dougie kind of had a meltdown and he he started faulting and you know he had some issues and yeah and <laughs> you know and because Gravener was particularly with with Herb he was a real good friend of Herb because Herb was on the Davis Cup team with him yeah so they were teammates and so and and of course the Clark's wife sitting with Herbie's girlfriend and Karen, my wife, on the right in you know those benches at Scarsdale are almost on the court. Yeah. And so he's kind of you know mounting off about Dougie and Dougie. Remember he sat on the other side of the net on on his own, and the three of us stood by the umpire stand. He was he was the first meditating paddle player. Uh, <laughs> That's right. And he would do Almost. it partly to try to get you off your game because you'd be looking at well, him and he'd be meditating. Yeah, I mean, it I, would work. <laughs> I know, but it was, it was just, a, I mean, it, you know, it was one of those things and uh, pressure got to him and, and because uh, Doug was a tough player. I mean, you know, he, he was, was a, one of the better players. He and, had great hands. But he, he just, he, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, it was just one of those things that where he, you know, so often in sport, a guy just kind of has a meltdown, and we jumped on that, and there was no, there was no race. I mean, well, we just, you know, mopped them up. Yeah. So uh, well, when you guys were on, Russell was a very fine tennis player. He was captain of Georgia, and, right. and he's in there right. Hall of Fame. And, and uh, the the only thing he couldn't do really was was serve, and hit hit an occasional forehand against the the fence. <laughs> right. But he had, you know, he had great hands, as you say, and he was uh, a student of the game. He obviously taught paddle, and and he, um, I mean, I played a tournament with him, which I think we won uh, because we sort of combined well, and and uh, you know, he was tough. There's no question about that. Yeah. But it was in in the light of what happened on that day, where he was, it was almost like he was on his own, and the three of us were against him, kind of thing. So it yeah. didn't help with the team. But uh, no, he and I played quite a few senior things with him in fifties or fifty fives or sixties or something. And yeah, we I pretty, remember. pretty much we took, you know, we kind of took everybody to the cleaners. But yeah, uh, so right. no, he 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 was tough, and uh, and I think also at that stage, um, you know, with Herbie and with me coming in, we started sort of changing the game a little bit. And yeah. I, I certainly think about that in that. And if you look like I watch the streaming now the, of the nationals of yeah. the tournament that you see yeah. on, so and I look at this and I'm going, I don't know this game. <laughs> I, I, I don't, I, I didn't know what they were. I mean, they serving this kind of underhand thing and, and uh, staying back and one guy's in the middle of the court, the other one's running around the back. And I, I'm looking at this and I know obviously when you watch it on TV or on my iPad stuff, it's 
you get kind of a, a you don't get the real picture of what's going on. But I know the ball is obviously different. The rackets are different. Because I look at this and I'm thinking, God, if I was out there with Herbie or with Greg Moore, we would beat the crap out of these guys. <laughs> but in, but, but, I, I, but I, I, I can't say that, you know, because I, I don't know. And they, they and, and obviously, I think this is the point I'm trying to make is that the tennis players have taken over the game. Well, and yeah. It kind of I mean, started I, way back. It started way back then when we were playing. Yeah, I, because I, sure. I remember when I first started that game. My initial thing is when I got to the club and I go out to play, and it's a short hill stop tournament, and these guys are going out on the court and they have corduroys with whales on them and lobsters and things on their corduroys, and the corduroy pants are as wide as their shoes. Now these big bulky jackets and things, and I'm thinking, how can they move? How can you run in corduroys? <laughs> You know, long pants things, and and I'm, I'm thinking. And then they stand at the back. I said, I'm going to go to the net. You know, Herb, you get in the corner there, and you whack away, and if it goes over, I'll pick up the next one. And they all look at me like, Would you move back, please? You don't. Nobody's there. You, you, you're both supposed to be at the back. I'm this going. Is- what do you mean you're supposed to be at the back? And this is just coming from tennis where I felt I was more comfortable with my partner, especially with the return he had when he came flying out of that corner and just whacked it as hard as he could straight at the net man. Yeah. If that guy got a piece of it, I got the next one, and the point was over. It was the worst paddle you've ever seen because there were no rallies. We never lobbed. We only lobbed one ball in each rally to get him <laughs> out of the backhand corner to put him on the other side because Hope couldn't get a ball off the screen on the backhand side. <laughs> So, so hey, he went over. Hey. He went to the forehand side, and if you hit it to me in the backhand side, I whacked it off the backhand with the with my backhand. And if it went to his side, he nailed it with a forehand, and we both served decently. So we you were switching off yeah. on every ball. We were switching. Yeah, we yeah. changed over. But you know, let let me jump in here, Hank, because I I think the game has changed a huge amount. The paddle, balls, all that stuff. However, oh, all of them, yeah. But however, when you watch the Nationals, where everything is on the line, and you watch uh, the match go deeper and deeper, and you, you see that people are focusing on hitting deeper lobs, people are not making errors, uh, they have to be very careful. Uh, and so the, the game of paddle has changed a monumental amount, but then again, it really hasn't changed because it's still the people that keep the ball away from the power zones. You have to know the opposition's power zones. So finally, Johan has learned to keep his overheads away from people's power zone. Um, And and so a lot of the same things we did. And you know what the team that I really like is this Adam Morgan and Tyler Frazier. And I, I, I'm picking them as a wild card long shot. I'm because, so happy you said that, Steve. Yeah, because because the big four, none of them have been on a roll. Okay, they're all inconsistent this year. And I right. know I know that the uh, Powers and Hughes just did a number, but they almost got beat by you know some people we've never even heard of, Court and Koenig. Um, but the, the, the point is that Adam Morgan and Tyler Frazier, Morgan is a complete sort of paddle, 
you know, old school guy, but he's got weapons on both sides and he doesn't give you anything, nothing. Hmm. And he, he grinds where, you. Where are they and, from? Where, where are they out of? Uh, uh, Adam's from Chicago and Tyler's from Cincinnati. Yeah. Oh, and, okay. and wow. Tyler is a superstar because he's coming on very fast. But the point is, they play paddle, right? And I think right. you know Broderick and and uh, Palmer. Palmer play play paddle, right? Especially when it comes down. It, so, in other words, you still need to recognize the aspects of the game uh, that that are strategy and also patience. And you you can't give stuff away. And, and you watch Juan and you say, why is Juan only 1-1? One, because one? he gives stuff away under the pressure, right? Mm -hmm. So, so it, you know, it's still paddle. And, and that's what's wonderful about the game. And, and I, I think keeping it down to two out of three, it's a lot more exciting than our days when we had to play three out of five for semis and three out of five in the finals. That's not exciting <laughs> for fans. Do you I mind if it. I ask you guys a question? I... Um... I, it was actually the first question we have up in 1980. You guys played the men's final and it was five sets. Two of those went to tiebreakers. Yes. Um, <laughs> could, do you want to walk us through it? Like where was it? Who were your partners? How long did a five set match take? Um, by the, I'll, I'll by the, sound of the way Hank played, it took about 25 minutes. Just whacking. <laughs> well, by then they were still, uh, you know, doing the switcheroo. This, but the, the, the match was at Montclair, New Jersey. So it was only five miles from Hank and, and he could go to bed and wake up. You know, so he had, he had a distinct advantage, but Herbie was not in shape and he cramped up in the fourth set. And it just shows you that once you start watching people that cramp, it's very hard to play against them. So we should have been out of there in four, but Herbie, was such a distraction that Richie and I started like not knowing what to do. And then Hank creep, creeps back in, wins that tiebreaker. But then Richie started returning like a madman in the fifth set and they had no prayer. What's that? Let me give you, how long was that match take? Sorry. Okay, let me, I, I think three it was and four and a, four, three and a half, four hours. Yeah. Oh. But we had a, we had, we had a better one than that, again, with Herbie playing at um, Westchester Country Club in oh. the whatever that thing was. And yeah. we played against um, you played Doug Russell. Russell and Gordon Gray. Yeah. yeah. And it was the finals. And it was on Super Bowl Day. Because there were people, when we started, I think we started at 3 o'clock or 4 o'clock or something like that. And there were pe quite a few people watching. And then as soon as the Super Bowl started, which I think was 4 o'clock, everybody left. <laughs> so we continued to play. And when we finally lost, I think, 9-7 in the fifth, people had come back and the Super Bowl was over. <laughs> and we were still playing. <laughs> we were still playing. And Herbie got cramped. So when I served, He's on his knees. He couldn't stay on his feet. He's on his knees at the net, kind of hiding. And so it just, you know, I just tried to kind of play the point like singles because he couldn't get up. He was so cramped up, he couldn't get up. And so that was the beginning of the end. But um, yeah. that, to give you an idea, I don't know how long the Super Bowl takes, but 
<laughs> when the people had finished watching the Super Bowl, they came back to see who ended the match. I think we played for four and a half hours, something like that. Wow, that's unbelievable. And, and you think also, Steve, the time we played you guys in Cleveland, I think it was. Maybe Cleveland or Chicago. Right. When you played, you played a three, a long semi in the, at lunchtime. Yeah. So when you came out in the finals in the afternoon, you were, you were done. Yeah, well, oh, he had two that? five-setters. That's what happened. Oh, yeah, no, we played right. McAvoy, McAvoy Tully in a five-setter. And That's right. Russell and Kleiner in a five-setter. And, oh, and right. my legs were so so tight uh, by the end. Uh, but, you know, that, that's, what, that's what that era was about. And right. what, what right. we were all doing was trying to start a tour. And this fellow, Dick Squires, did an amazing job because I'm going to read you the list of places we played because of him setting up special events. So we went to wow. Hilton Head, Hilton Head in 73, Amelia Island in 74. <clears throat> we all went down to Bermuda the year I got married. And the, the week after I got married, my wife was furious. We played a tournament <laughs> down in Bermuda in 1976. Uh, of course, Forest Hills in the stadium. Um, Toronto had a TV show uh, back oh, a couple of years after that. Um, we were on Park Avenue and 6th Avenue. Remember, Hank? That was the big money. All right. At the, you uh, and the, Herbie um, won. Uh, well, that yeah. was like $10,000, which today is over 50000 Maybe it's wow. 60000 right. So, 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 can you talk about that? I mean, so these are portable courts. I mean, now we just uh, last week we had David Dodge from Total Platform on, and he was talking about courts being one hundred and forty thousand dollars to install now. So you're you're talking about bringing a court down to Bermuda and, and playing down there. Well, what? they built their own court on on cement, okay. um, but but in all the other cases, Riley right. would would come in and. Uh, you know, they'd put up a court, they'd put up two courts usually if it was down in Amelia Island, although Squires had his own court building thing uh, called Smack for two or three years, and he was trying to play all sides of the equation. But yeah, I mean, so we were trying to get the tour up and running, and there was some prize money, there were sponsors, but I think of today where we are, we're in a much better place, because back then, you know, we didn't even have a a normal way tour and we were way out in front of trying to set up a money tour and all that. Oh yeah. I mean, that's, that, it's amazing talking about things coming full circle because obviously after that uh, it, there was nothing up until a few years ago with uh, the pro flight battle tour that yeah. uh, started up with, with money. I mean, it's, I mean, the other thing is too, is through the power of the internet uh, I think several people now have been able to see the, there's a video on YouTube. It was the 1976 semis and finals it looks right. like it was it was was that on broadcast TV or where where do you, you know yeah, what that, video well, that was uh, that was to, was it Tony Traber who announced Hank uh, on that um, it was either Tony Traber or Bill Talbert I think it was Bill Talbert Bill no, Talbert Bill Talbert Bill yeah. Talbert was the yeah. announcer with Dick Squires and it was right. at uh, Fox Meadow and there were two thousand people there and they had to stop people uh, when we came in to play that match they were stopping people at the gate and saying, we have no more room. And right. um, Hank was still finding his forehand back then. So he really hadn't, <laughs> he hadn't developed into the powerful weapon who used to aim at me and, and whack me. That's how they won. <laughs> he would, he would hit a, I would hit a drop shot. He'd come up and aim at my neck and he'd hit it 
that was the end of that match. <laughs> so, so was that was that ma- that match was on broadcast TV on on ABC, oh, yeah. NBC, or CBS? Yes. No, I'll tell you a story. I was working at Citibank, and and they they recorded it, watched it, and and then they put it on the very next weekend. And I go into work <laughs> on the following Monday, and somebody comes up. This little old lady said, "I saw you on the TV." <laughs> and, and, I, and then they put a magazine article in the Citibank newsletter for the whole company to see. Three hundred thousand people, but but it was yeah, there was it was uh, yeah that was. Well, so, I like things. So, uh, so, so for for someone who who is a relative newbie, only having played for about fifteen years since two thousand and five, what was the evolution then, or what what happened along the way where it goes from being on broadcast TV, getting surprise money, etc. Obviously, that wasn't then the case for a long time until maybe we started live streaming on YouTube and things like that about 10, 12 years ago again, and more recently getting prize money. What, what happened? What happened after that, the the late 70s, early 80s? Yeah, well, you have to remember in the 70s, you know, you had the oil crisis and things. So the longer that it's so there was a recession for seven years, basically from 74 to 81. And then it continued in the early 80s. And so I think not only that, but also once the big money stopped, I think people like Gravener and, and, and a few others, and there weren't as many big time racket people coming into the game. And um, Hank, you know, stayed around and, 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 and others, but th- then we kind of went back into developing the tour, right? That they kept, you know, a, a very nice tour alive, but it didn't progress as far as the professional ranks. Um, and you would not, you, you would not have still I don't know, Hank, when do you, would you say that the pros started, you know, c- coming into all the clubs? I mean, you were very early back in 72, 73. Right. Uh, that, that was very early. But when did the, the whole onslaught of pros who were tennis and paddle pro and, and that sort of super job where they could make big time money all year, all year long, when did that start happening? Was that in the two thousands or? Well, I think I think one of the things that 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 happened, um, and, it, and it, particularly when they started out with the, the money and with Seagrams and you know Passport Scotch and people putting up money for these events, and the sponsors at that stage always assumed, like tennis, if you put your money into the game, you, you'd get like Volvo and some of these other early sponsors, uh, the cigarette companies, Rothmans and so on. The tennis was very easy to to televise and you could see it and watch it and you could see what was going on in the game. Yeah. They had a terrible time trying to create what was happening on a platform tennis court so that when you watch it on TV, first of all, you couldn't see the ball. Secondly, you didn't know what the hell the people were doing. And sick, and it was. It seemed like there was. It nothing happened. It just looked like watching paint dry. The ball just went round and up and down and back and forth, because they had the same problem with squash. Squash went through the same thing where they couldn't televise it. Yeah. And if you can't televise it, nobody's going to sponsor it, because that's where the money is. Yeah. And I yeah. think that's what happened with paddle. And you remember, they were cutting holes in the screen. They were putting cameras in the in the snowboards. 
they had a guy up on a ladder at the back of the court. Uh, yeah. But they could never get in squash, for example, they changed the ball. They had a ball with like diamond studs on it. So you could see it. <laughs> and then the mistake that squash made, which I think happened a little bit with paddle, is that they, when they filmed it and put it on ESPN or whatever it was, they slowed it down so that you could see the ball. Well, it made the players look like they were all inebriated. You know, they're just loafing around the court. Uh, and everybody's like, and, it, and particularly, of course, with softball, they, the, the, the points just went on forever. And everybody's like yawning and like, is, is this, you know, is it time to go yet? You know, because you couldn't create any, because we even tried. You remember how they tried to change some of the rules in platform? Yeah, that Make never a hole, really put a hole in the yeah. put a hole in the back of the screen. Yeah, for, for ten, so instead of the ball, point yeah. going on and on and on, if you could hit the ball like a three point shot, you could hit it through the hole in the back of the screen, and the point was over. Remember, yeah. they talked about having a, a thirty second clock. Yeah. So that the point couldn't go longer than thirty seconds, simply because of TV. But you know, live and streaming that, thing, though, that live streaming has really. Been, been yeah, a but I think it's thing. it's to, the, the, the technology and stuff today is very different from when we had it. But, but Jerry Vion and her team has worked very, very hard to study all those angles. And I would say right. this about the 76 match. I think whoever, because that was NBC or I think, and or CBS, and, and they really knew what they were doing. And, and they did. You could actually watch the, that match and get interested in it. Sure, um, right. That right. it, whereas it, no one after that, they were all amateurs. They weren't like yeah. the, the guys at CBS were pros. And, and and now we've made full circle and live streaming is fascinating. And, you know, Jerry and Fischl and, and the other. Yeah, and the, I mean, they do a great job. They do a yeah, great so job. There's no is, question. This is going to hunt. This dog is going to hunt, I think. And, and and I think Amin and Tiernan and Ann Chidi are are really pros as well. Um, right. So it's very right. interesting to watch. Um, I mean, look at we even with the COVID, we still have nationals up and running. I don't know, Hank. What do you think? Because the temperature now is going to be in in mid April. You know, this, this has never been played a nationals. It's late. We've had some very warm weather, but this this is going to potentially be the maybe the warmest nationals ever. Yeah, I think it's again, it, and you know. I, I, Speaking personally for my my own thing, I mean, I you know, obviously where I came from, I, 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 my first one of my first tournaments I had played in was in Chicago Charities, and, and they used to have it in January. You remember they had it in January? In those days, it used to be in January, okay? That's and I have never been so cold in my life, okay? And, I and I'm thinking, Dan, and, and and that tournament, it was minus sixty wind chill for oh. the. For the quarters, the winds were blowing like 30, 40 miles an hour, and the temperature was 21 below. And, right. and, then, and then the next morning, it was only zero, and we, they had a big bus that got put right there at the main club, and everybody was still sitting in the bus, but all the players like just wore T-shirts because it was so warm comparatively <laughs> from the from prior night. I mean, it, that's crazy. Did we play you right. in the semis that tourney, Hank, that next morning? Yeah, I'm, yeah. I think you, I think you beat the daylight out of us. And I mean, first of all, I was <laughs> you were frozen, numb. 
here I am just coming from the wilds of Africa and I'm thinking, what are these people thinking playing in this weather? You can and especially when do you remember the very first point in that match? No. We had a a, a lady umpire. Oh right. She didn't know what she was doing. <laughs> well, she you one I think one of you served to me, okay, and I was playing in the deuce court. And I let it go into the back to take it off the screen. And she said, 15, love. <laughs> she, you she, she didn't know that you could take it off the back. <laughs> she was the only person who had come out to be an umpire. Everybody else was frozen. Yeah. She was a USTA umpire, tennis umpire. And the poor soul, I mean, bless her. I mean, she thought that, you know, when I let it go like that, that was an ace. So... <laughs> So it didn't bode well for us for the rest of that time. Plus, I was so cold, I couldn't even think straight. So, hey, so but, ben, um, ben, do you and, and uh, you know you what? I was still recovering. I was still recovering from the day before playing at Onwensia, yeah, where they had plowed the, the the parking lot right next to the court, and the snow pile was about twelve foot high next to the court, right up against the screen. Yeah. And the wind is howling out there. And I'm standing at net, and all I could feel was this snow going across my face and sticking on my nose, <laughs> on my hat, on my ears, everything, and my hands. And I'm bundled up like the Michelin man. And so I just thought, you know what? I, I don't know why I am here. I mean, what am I <laughs> doing in this thing and, and it's only going to get worse it's not going to get any better and I don't know how we get through the day and obviously next day it was uh, you know but so now to get back to having it in April I would have yeah. loved it you know you <laughs> go up and play in your shorts and, and you know that's that's more my kind of weather and I much preferred when the ball was bouncing up a little bit because it was warmer well, you could sort of I could whack you a little bit in the neck again but <laughs> yeah. uh, the ball so, uh, really the Hank the, the ball we had something called the high bounce and the high bounce was right. only given to beginners because they yeah, would that's right. be able to hit. and the, the real ball only bound, you know, was, was a much less bouncy, you know, the high bounce is like today's ball, but we, right, right. we poo pooed it and said, Oh, that's, you know, and we played with this ball that if you hit one through on a return, it was very difficult for people to go yeah. all back and get it. You'd have to really be quick and right. Um, Mark, but it was. Well, a, I rem remember in those days with that with that ball, that orange vetted ball. Remember that? Yeah. You could actually hit a ball down the middle in the screen, and if you hit it properly, it was unreturnable. Yeah. There's not. I mean, you will never. I don't care how many matches you watch today, where somebody hits an overhead in the middle of the court, in between the two opponents who are in the backcourt, and the ball's unreturnable off the screen. Uh -huh. And that was because of the ball. Yeah. And of course, it was a cold day. Yeah. But that yeah. doesn't happen anymore. Let's, let, happen. let's let, hey, hey, Hank, let's let Ben and Noah come in with some questions. What, for, why we have, have a. I, I don't know. You guys are doing an awfully good job already without us. I think this is fantastic. We, we... Guys, in all honesty, Noah and I have a, a, a chat on our computer as we're talking. And hands down, this is my favorite episode we have ever done. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I truly I I could listen to you guys all it's night just because of Hank's or Henry's accent that little sort of accent that's well, I, I well. want to go back to I want to go back to one thing you touched on uh, where you said there was going to be a shot clock of thirty seconds um, 
Steve, with all respect to everything you've done in the game, if there if they had instituted a 30 second shot clock, I believe Noah quite possibly could have been the greatest player that ever played this sport. <laughs> Uh, could be right. <laughs> uh, no, there was this. There was this crazy guy who I love from Sleepy Hollow, and he's the guy that wanted to cut the the, the hole in the in the screen, and, and you could aim into the red zone. Uh, Bertan is his name. He's a wonderful Bertan. Oh, yeah. What is he like? Is is he Czechoslovakian or? But he's a, he's a very yeah. charismatic guy, and he was at Sleepy right. Hollow. Which is the most distinguished. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, he was the pro there, yeah. For, for 30 years, and he just retired. Right. But he was trying right. to, he was a very innovative guy. He was trying to drive all these things that Hank's talking about and a fascinating person. Um, we, we, you know, could, could, could you guys talk a little, and you've touched around a little bit, but uh, you mentioned a lot of the same names over and over. Was, was paddle, the, the top level of paddle, as deep then as it is now, or was it a pretty small group of elite level players where, you know, I think, Probably now there's any of probably 10, 12 teams that could that could reasonably win nationals this year. Well, I challenge that 10 to 12 teams. I think it's only about four or five. Um, but I do think the tour that we were on was not deep compared to where it is today. Um, and I, I think, you know, you. I don't think that 15 or 12 or 10 teams can win it. I think the, the game is so, um, you know, esoteric and, and, and that, that you can bet that it's one of the big four or Morgan Frazier or Burroughs and Doya. That's six. That's what's going to happen. I right. put money on it because the cream rises to the top. Nerves start to come in. Uh it's very difficult to play the finals of the Nationals because that's the only tourney that really matters in our game. And, and um, it's rare, but it could happen this year where you see somebody like Morgan Frazier or Burroughs Medoya. That's, that's the wild card. But I don't think it goes any deeper than that. I, I don't think that, you know, others, uh, even Bostrom, Anderson, or Crick, Lofgren, or... Or Rose Brothers or, or Kaylor Ram, they might be ready. But but the, it's, to be ready to win the Nationals, you, you have to been been through it in terms of beating other people and believing. Paddle is such a belief game. You have got to believe you can win. Um, and when you're in the Nationals and you're playing against you know any of the top four, it's tough to believe you can win. Sure. Um, unless you've beaten them. And that's why uh, interesting Morgan Frazier and Burroughs Doya are the only ones that really qualified under that. That uh, I mean, Hank, let me ask you, did you agree with that analysis in terms of? Yeah, and I think, it, it, I think uh, another way to look at it, and I sort of think back of in our day when we played, we, you know, you show up as you do and you look at the draw and we knew that we'd be apart from you. But we also knew that somebody, one of us, would have a tough semi, and the other one would get, you know, kind of a an, yeah. a, an easy. It happened to you guys in that nationals. Yeah. And it and so and because it were really three teams, and right. so some one of us, you being either the top or we're at the bottom, one of us would have to get the other, the the weaker team. 
or the non the non three. Let's put it that way. And yeah. so and it, it it cost you guys in that one national. Yeah, and so, there's no question about that. To answer the question, it's much deeper uh, today. Um, although no I'm, a little, I'm a little surprised, though, because looking at who signed up for the nationals, I would say those top top ten teams are really good. But after that, there's a big drop off, partly because right. McNerney is not playing with Chernowski, you know. But and, and but because some people down the the bottom and the bottom. 32. I mean, it's a draw of 32, right? Got right. It? Correct. Yeah. yeah. 32 yeah, men and women. It doesn't. Wow. The, the whole bottom part of that. It, it's it's very strong up top in the in the top 16. After that, it drops off other than right. uh, this. Yeah. Well, so let, let me ask a follow up somewhat related question. Uh, it's something we've been talking about internally a little bit here. But if you had to do a Mount Rushmore of of the history of paddle players, Four, four, four people to put up there. Who would you put up there uh, through the history? <laughs> well, that's a, that's Steve Bid. That's the top. No, Steve was everyone's number one. It's horizontal, not vertical. So no, no wait top. a second here. <laughs> Steve, no, wait you a talk Steve about? and Richie. Steve and well, Richie. That's, just that's thinking how many times they won it. Okay, hang on, Steve. It's my turn. <laughs> Steve and Richie won it, what, nine times? Yep. Ten times? Nine. What was it, 12? Nine. Nine, and then he so, won with Kleiner, and I won with okay. my brother, yeah. Right, but, but then the other thing is I think about is thank God that I was able to come up with uh, somebody because they would have won it 11 times. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, Steve, you, mean, can, you can you can respond to that. Okay, no, you whooped us badly those two years. I agree, but I want to I want to just say that, that look, I mean, the Mount Rushmore thing. You know, each generation has a great uh, uh, team that makes a great run, and um, it's getting tougher and tougher. You know, so who do you put up? You know, with the greatest teams, flip. And Scott were unbelievable in their era. Right. Sure. And, right. And Hank and and, and uh, Herbie were great in their era, but Richie and I were great in our era. Now you have a tougher nut because they keep knocking each other off. But you have to say Broderick and Palmer, uh, you know, as a team have have won the most. Uh, if, if you if you look at and Johan and, and Parsons have won it with other people, so that's equally impressive. But they. As a team, they didn't, you know, super long-term gel for the long haul because you got to have team chemistry for the long haul. You, you got to have um, trust in each other, and uh, you're seeing lots of teams bounce around and move, change partners to try to get that trust and chemistry thing correct and strength weaknesses thing. So, I mean, I don't think you can, you know, you, you probably have to say who are the best, you know, the seven or something. Um, and call it Rushmore plus <laughs> Rushmore, Rushmore plus three because of this, you know, plethora of people that are here today and they keep killing each other off. Um, do you guys, do you mind if I throw another name in there that you haven't thrown out yet? Yeah. Dave Omula. Well, Dave was, was he, he, he had the accident and, yes. and, and, you know, he, 
was a great player. Um, and, and he, you know, played with Gambino and they were terrific. And they, they had one run when they beat Flip and, and uh, Scott, you mm-hmm. know, two and two or something. But the player, Dave, Dave, you know, he got injured in this horrible car accident. Yes. But he also, I mean, I don't think, you know, I was more scared of Hank than I was against Dave, but I, I think I, and I played some tournaments with Dave, but, you know, he was phenomenal for a short period of time, but again, it's the accident, you know, but, but yeah. I, you know, you have to, uh, but I don't think he scared people maybe uh, for a short time. Um, Cause when you have to have teams that get on a run, you know, the way, you know, Flip and Scott did and, and, uh, you know, Palmer. Bid and Maya. Uh, Bid and Maya. Don't forget to put that at the top. <laughs> but, you know, they, you, they, you get a couple me, points I played a against game. Them, I've you... played against them so many times, and they were, without question, in my book, number one at the top, way above everybody else. Well, I... Thank God we were able to rein them in a little bit in the end there. <laughs> Well, you, you know, otherwise they'd still be winning. <laughs> well, so so as you know, you've mentioned about the different eras and things like that. What are your feelings now about where the game's headed? Uh, you know, maybe compared to where it was ten or twenty years ago. Well, I think it's in much better shape. I think it's very exciting. I think live streaming and technology is is really carrying the ball for us. And I think uh, people look forward. Uh, I mean, you could hear Hank and I both watch live streaming. Um, you know, we, we probably don't watch it too much on Saturday, but we always watch it late Saturday or, or Sunday, you know, so that there's, there's that magnet that, that gets us. What do you think, Hank? Well, there's no question about that. The game is way ahead of what, when, when we were, when we were playing. And I think that one of the things that, the thing that I feel strongly about, and particularly having guys like uh, Ben and Noah who are heavily involved and hopefully in the teaching side, I wish there was pal- platform tennis in NCAA, in the college. There should be college paddle. And I, mean, I know they tried some of it, and they did it a little bit, and there were some colleges that played it. But And the kids, I know they're having the nationals, I think, at Short Hills. Right. Yeah. Um, because it's to me, I don't think there's enough done to bring the kids into it. Because I think that's going to help, like any of these sports. Yeah. Most, so many of the paddle players today are rejects from other sports. You know, where they're too old to play whatever. So, well, we'll go and play platform because they're a good athlete. They can kind of get away with it. And so, yes, there's London. It's the thing I miss most about living in Florida is I never get to play paddle because, yeah. I mean, I go to the villages and help them with their thing there, but there's no, there's, I really miss that game because it, it had an incredible, the, the social side of it, the, you know, our Wednesday evening game at the club with all these guys was just unbelievable. It's, yeah. it's just, it's, there is no other game that, it, that is so wonderful to play and so awful to watch. Okay. <laughs> I mean, you, 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 you sort of think about that. Think about that. And I probably should never have said that, but no, it makes it's, sense. But it's, it's, it's the most, I mean, tennis is, you know, and I, that's all I play now is tennis and so on. And it's fun. And, you know, I've always been a tennis player and so on. It's great. And I enjoy playing today, but um, I really miss 
getting out on the paddle court, especially with those. If you think of the, those guys, I always refer to those guys, our contemporaries, Steve, in that. And of course, Steve, being a, a, a member of the club where I was when I first started, I had the best instruction in this game playing with the Baird family. Papa Bid and me against the two young munchkins at college and wanting to <laughs> beat the hell out of their father. And he's going after me because I had no I had no idea what I was doing. And so uh, I was put in the lion's den there. But that's the way you learn. Yeah. And I yeah. think that we don't have kids, you know. The other way I look at it, um, how many tennis players are going to win a Nationals when they're 45? You're right. Okay. Yeah. Nope. Something's wrong with that picture. Yeah. And yet I can say and say, well, when I was 45, when I won the national, that that that's that shouldn't be. Nobody loses to a 45 year old. Okay. So, but I think that that's where something has to be done about it to try and get it at the high school level, and then particularly in the colleges, because I think it'd be a wonderful yeah. just because of the social side. And the, you know, you don't have to be some whiz-bang tennis player. You can go out and learn, have fun with it. And I think by having it spread out over the country at different colleges, you're going to be more people involved, more ta- you're going to have more Chicago's and Cincinnati's and people where they suddenly got a big league going. And, and, but the uh, problem, you know, hey, people hey. playing. Is money that you know, this the right. colleges today well, that's, that's cutting true. back? That's a, they, they're yeah, cutting yeah, exactly. wrestling, wrestling right. at Stanford University. That's crazy. Yeah, and so there's a big but, push against sports. That the culture yeah. is is. Oh yeah, I know. I know that, and it's you know it's 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 hard, and it, so it may but take I just look at it. I look at it at the of of if you want to try and broaden the base of the game, which is going to make it more fun for everybody, and I think part of it too is. Is, is, and it always affected me uh, was that you know we play this game in the wintertime are you nuts why don't we play it in the summertime <laughs> you know what the what the hell's the difference in playing it in the summertime when you go out in your shorts and, and play oh no this is a winter game and you have to have <laughs> snowboards and, and you know you got to get ice in the corner and slip and have Hey, hey, we got to let these guys out. ask any any more questions because we're going to get podcasted out of this joint. Well, no, while, while we're talking about juniors, and I think, Steve, you could back me up on this. Uh, this is where on the East Coast, well, primarily, Patty Hogan has just been such a champion. Yeah. Absolutely. Juniors. No question. Yeah. No question. Yeah. yeah. She's carried the ball. Yeah. She's really yeah. done. Absolutely. Job. She's amazing. And truly be, being in Chicago here, we, you know, maybe, maybe, it, maybe it's, that's my next thing that I have to do, but we, we need a champion for junior paddle uh, out in Chicago. Yeah. yeah. Uh, someone like Patty who got, you know, was it three or 400 kids out the other weekend for playing junior nationals? Right? Yeah. 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 That's what right. about the colleges? Is there anybody that's, that we know that's involved in college that can do it in the colleges? I don't well, think so. I, mean, I, I know. I know in New Jersey they, know they're, they're building a pretty good high school program, but I think it, it ends there right. usually. Unfortunately, it used yeah. to be a court, I believe, at Ohio State University. 
Oh, there, right. there's some courts at colleges. Middlebury oh, has some yeah. Uh, yeah. up in Vermont. There's a couple of the colleges in the Northeast that have courts, you know, a couple of courts, but I think it's... Because I know they, they tried it at one stage is to, to sort of promote it in the colleges because I think that's, that to me is a market that's basically untapped in terms of producing paddle players for the next generation. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, for sure. So anyway, that's... But... Um, well, that's, that's great. What uh, a great game. Yeah. What a great game. That's uh that's good stuff. Well, Hey, we, uh, you know what, we, we filled almost an hour of, uh, of time with, uh, with a couple legends of the game. So this has been absolutely fantastic. <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll let you get to bed now, uh, late on a, on a Sunday night, if you want to. So how do we find your podcast and listen to, sure. you know, yeah, I just he's a it, pro. It, Look at him promoting us. I, I appreciate. I, it. I, I love it. It's uh, it's called Inside the Wires, and you can go to uh, any place you find podcasts. So Spotify or Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts, and just type in Inside the Wires uh, or Inside the Wires Paddle, and it should come up. We've uh, we've got a pretty good uh, pretty good audience. I think we've got a couple thousand people listening on a pretty regular basis. So we're uh, oh, wow. We're, we're getting there pretty good. We, you know, we actually started the podcast right, right after COVID hit and everything shut down and everybody had lots of free time. They were looking for something to do and even paddle was shut down. So if, if they couldn't play, at least they were talking about it. So, uh, you know, it was, it, it, it's been really, really well received so far and it's been a lot of fun. So actually coming up in eight minutes, we have Amin is coming on to talk about, Amin uh, uh, Kaduri from the APTA is coming on and then Jody, uh, Joey, Herzog. Joey Herzog from Fusion Sports, which does all the uh, promotional stuff for for the uh, tournaments, is coming on actually. So great, great. Yeah. guys, can I ask you one more question while we got you here? Shoot. Uh, and I in this right up uh, Henry's Street with uh, not playing in cold weather. Will there ever be a day that we will play nationals at uh, down in Florida, maybe at the Villages? Oh, I don't see why not. I mean, it's uh, it's really a great facility. They got you know all these courts. They're not all in one location, but they're spread out. There's, I think by the end of this next year, they'll have uh, 20, 30 courts. So, oh, wow. you know, you could have one hundred and twenty-eight draw and finish it in two days, no problem at all, because there's plenty wow. of courts. That's and they're crazy. nice. It's a nice facility, and uh, it's it's just one of those things where you get this uh, incredible Pied Piper down there who came from Paddle up north and and when he got there, you know, as everybody's thinking, well, in Florida there's nothing to do. Well, they certainly got into Paddle. And so who, uh, as my first time I went there to help them, I said, you guys are crazy. I said, this is a sort of winter sport. They're not going to play it down here. Well, <laughs> mark my word that the, the I mean, they just, the, the, the courts are busy all the time. Wow. People are playing and they love it. They absolutely love it. And uh, it's just amazing. Absolutely amazing. So, yes, they had the national mix there one year. People came down and played. But uh, there's no reason why they can't do it. I mean, I, 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 because the, the courts, they just look, they got snowboards, you know. You know what, what like they should do? Have... Hank, they should, they should get a money tournament as a pilot uh, and do it in Florida. Uh, for men right. and women, top sixteen, fly them all down, put them up, and, right. uh, and they, you know they could do that. I mean, it's. Um, I think uh, what we got to do too is talk to John Embry at USBTA and see if we can tie it in there because they 
one of the things they I know they're trying to do is, you know, they're pushing not only paddle, but then there's padel, this other game that they're pushing. And then, of course, they want to keep the pickle heads happy, so they put pickleball in there. And so, um, um, you know, I'm sure that they could do something where they could combine, although obviously at Lake Nona now, they have this wonderful facility with all these courts. And, um, they could do it there also. They don't have 30 paddle courts, that's a, I think they don't have any paddle. Well, they may have a couple of paddle courts, but certainly in uh, at the villages, they got plenty of courts, plenty of courts. All right. We'll, we'll make a suggestion to Amin in a few minutes when he comes We out. will. We'll throw yeah. it out there. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> Absolutely. That's good. Sounds good. Well, hey, thanks again, guys, for your time tonight. Like I said, we'll, we'll let you get on with your evening, but this is, this is fantastic. This episode should be out. Uh, on Tuesday. Tuesday afternoon. So in fact, we'll, we'll send you both a link to it. So you can listen, even if you, uh, if you haven't listened to the podcast, we'll, we'll get you a link so you can listen. Thanks. Yeah, that would be great. Cause we got, I got a whole bunch of people, all the kids and so on would love to listen to that. Fantastic. Awesome. So. Thanks. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks again, guys. We really appreciate okay. your time tonight. Okay. Cheers. You're welcome. Thanks. Enjoy Thanks, it. Guys. Take Thank care. You. Okay. This was great. Thanks. Have Bye. a great evening. Okay. Easily my favorite episode we've had so far listening to Steve Baird and Hank Irvine talking about the way paddle was and where it is now and everything in between. Great, great content right there. Hope everyone enjoyed it. Coming up next, we have Amin Kaduri, CEO of the APTA and Jody Herzog from Fusion, not Fusion Sports anymore, just Fusion, uh, the, the favorite provider for the APTA. And we're back. Amin and Jody, thanks so much for joining us on the show tonight, guys. Thanks for having us. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Uh, and and Amin, you're joining us from the Northeast. Jody, from uh, someplace slightly warmer? Down in Florida currently. Nice. What, what's going on down in Florida? Is that a family vacation or uh, drumming up business uh, down there? What's happening? So Spring break. Fantastic. Sounds good. And Amin, I'm guessing... Uh, there's not as much spring break for you getting ready for nationals, probably, right? Uh, no, a little bit, of, a couple of weeks where there's not as much going on terminal-wise. But, uh, yeah, no, it, definitely a lot of work goes into even a, a, a very limited spectator nationals. Yeah, I would imagine. So how, how tough was it for for the crew in Boston to, to give up uh, hosting nationals this year? I'm assuming there was a ton of planning that already went into that and, uh, and probably certainly plenty of anticipation of it as well. Yeah, yeah. There, I mean, there was a lot of planning. Um, Chip Pollard and, and Charlie Forbes and, and Johan had really done a great job with a, with a very large committee. I mean, the, it, it was hard to give up, but I think also, you know, in some ways, when Boston gets to host its first nationals, I think they, we'd rather have it, you know, look as much like Darien as possible with, you know, a thousand spectators there. So as disappointing as it was, in some ways, it was almost a relief. Um, and we're very grateful that New Jersey, you know, raised their hand to, to do this and, you know, give, you know, give Boston a chance to do it in a, in a few years, potentially, um, you know, when, when we can do it under much better circumstances. So is there a definitive uh, date, well, as definitive as anything could be nowadays, but is there a definitive uh, time for Boston to get another shot at it now? There isn't yet. Um, you know, Dwayne Hayden, who run, who's going to be um, the tournament director for Long Island uh, Nationals, actually called and offered to have Boston do it um, instead of Long Island, um, which is very nice of him. But um, 
the country club, which is the host club for, for nationals, um, is going to be hosting the U.S. Open Golf. And that's a pretty big commitment for them time-wise. So the, they just can't pull off both paddle nationals and the U.S. Open in the same year. So sure. uh, it won't be in 2022, potentially in 2023 or 2024. Um, you know, we'll have to see that we, we do have a couple of host sites already. Um, so we just need to talk to them and see what and, 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 and wait for the country club to tell us when they'd like to do it. Well, I, I will offer this up. We just got off the uh, off the line with uh, Hank Irvine and uh, Steve Baird, and, and Hank was talking all about the, the villages, which we've got to have someone from the villages on to talk. But he said they have 24 courts down there and said, you know, you could host a nationals and get it all done awfully easily with uh, 24 courts in one location. Well, he said 30 by the end of the year. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So I think they're actually they're in like four different locations or five of the like or they each have four to six courts. The one thing you may want to check on, though, is I heard you're not. They there's no alcohol allowed at any of the the villages palaces. <laughs> oh, it's out, done. <laughs> Nationals will never be in Florida. <laughs> uh, that could do it. <laughs> could be a problem. Yeah. Oh, good. Uh, Jody, hey, while we got you, it, this this one really wasn't a it isn't a question. It was more of a more of a comment. I just wanted to say thank you to you and everyone at Fusion for getting involved and not making us want to throw away our tournament favors the second we got them. I really do. Appreciate uh, you're welcome. Man. That means a lot. Yeah, that's something that we uh, we try to do every time. That's a big uh, a big thing for us. Well, you, you know, I think what, when did you guys start working with the APTA? How long ago? How long has it been now? So we started Fusion, um, kind of a, in the, like a pilot program in the beginning of, or like the middle of 2017. And then I came over, um, to Chicago in the fall of 2017. Um, and actually our very first meeting was with, uh, Jason Love at Glenview and, in that meeting, while we're sitting in the paddle hut, I met Shannon Benson, and she's hearing what we're doing, kind of hearing, and and she like grabbed onto it and was like, "I need to, you need to do something with the APTA," and it just slowly kind of morphed from there. Sh- Shannon's the best, isn't she? She's I, uh, a rock star. Yes, I I, I love Shannon, and um, but w- w- you know, you guys, you know, well, really. How many quarter zips is the correct number of quarter zips that one person should own from tournaments? <laughs> I mean, I think so. See, I mean, you got to have three, right? You got to have the one that you love, the one that you wear, and the one that like you just got, right? So, okay. And then after that, you start throwing. But that's why we do. You know, it turns out we don't just do quarter zips anymore. There's vests and hoodies and yetis and everything else that you know you kind of you can create the whole outfit. Well, that's what I was saying. Like, what was it two years ago? You guys did that bag. Uh, is that, that was what Pittsburgh, yeah. That yeah. was fantastic. And then there was sunglasses a different year. Um, that was in Chicago. We did Oakley's, yeah. Yeah, and I'm blanking what uh, – last year was that fantastic jacket. Oh, I was yeah. actually wearing it today. Yeah, it's great coat. Yeah, the, the puppy jacket. Yeah. Yeah, I love that one. Uh, what if, if, if there was no COVID, what would, would the plan have been for this year? Or do we, do we still have a Fusion APTA national shop going on this year? So there was, we actually didn't get to the point um, with Boston. Of, we, we got a logo. We actually did a site for them before the new year that went out to all the committee members and all the um, the people to buy kind of items with the the, the, the national logo on it before it got um, shut down. 
uh, but we never picked a favorite. There is a, a site right now. I don't know if it's been sent out, but there's actually two logo options on it. There's um, the actual Nationals logo, which actually looks pretty cool. And there's also a Fight the Virus logo, which is a looks like a, a pat, like a paddle hitting a, a virus with like a biohazard on the paddle. Looks pretty. You can pick either one of those logos on your item. Oh, cool. And, and is that going to be available just for participants in Nationals, or is that going to be open to the public for people who normally be spectators and would, would want to buy some of that stuff? So it's going to go out to everybody. So that was the goal is to make it, because there's not a favor included to any of the players, um, there, if this, this site um, is hopefully like, is going to go out to the entire APTA to let you know any, anybody who's a member to let them uh, buy items. Sounds great. We'll, we'll be looking forward to that. Um, it, speaking of nationals, do we know uh, how many courts we're going to be live streaming this year? We do. We are We are going to have both ENET and ProFlight streaming all day on Saturday. So we will have four courts uh, going all day on Saturday uh, from two different sites. Uh, three of them will be commentated. Uh, one will one will just be streaming with um, with no commentary or graphics. But four courts all day Saturday, um, which will be great. I'm pretty sure that'll be the most paddle streamed in the day ever. Um, and then Sunday, all four of the semis and both finals will be streamed. Um, that'll all be at one site. So, should we, I think we're going to stream 18 matches over the two days? Sounds Do like. We- who are the commentators we have this year? You know we're very partial to uh, Mr. Innes here at Inside the Wires. Mark has been a great addition. I mean, I think because we're going to be streaming three courts potentially at the same time, I think Jerry is scrambling to – so everyone you heard this year will probably be on there, both, oh, both, the, Mark, both the Marks, Lauren, Brad – Jerry, obviously. So I think there, um, yeah, I think Patty is, is going to be on there. So, um, of course, Patty Hogan. We're going to have, have Jerry's got her hands full getting managing two streaming companies, two sites, four <laughs> all at once. I mean, she's basically a, like a CBS executive producer during March Madness. Uh, that sounds, it sounds great. We, uh, when we, we talked with Steve Barrett and, uh, and Hank Irvine, we were talking about, I don't know if you guys have seen it, but there was a video floating around on YouTube of 1976, the semifinals and the finals. It was on broadcast TV. I think it was, I didn't remember if it was NBC or CBS, but, you know, talking about prize money going out and all kinds of stuff, the way things used to be. Uh, Both of them seem to say that we've come full circle after a bit of a lull and they were really happy with the state of the game. Now, where, where, where do you guys think the state of the game is at this point? Well, I'll, I'll go first, Jody. Just uh, I think, um, with the exception of tournaments, it's this is really probably going to turn out to be a, an inflection point year for the sport um, in a very positive way. I think you know you guys have talked about it on your podcasts a couple times, and but it's just the same thing you hear wh- wh- wherever, whatever city you're in, whatever club you're at. It was really hard to book court times this year, and more people were coming out, new people coming out and playing, and you know I think I think it's going to like you know, pent up demand for tournament play next year for sure, but just also pent up demand for uh, you know the, your, your last uh, guests, uh, David Dodge. Yeah, I think it's a good time to be a court builder right now because uh, we're getting a lot of inquiries for public access courts to our grants and loans committee, and you're just hearing more and more. You know, club ma- club managers are all talking about you know getting you know requests from their rackets committees to add that next court. So. 
think the sport, you know, in some ways came through this really well because it was one of the few things you could do socially and safe um, through the pandemic. Sure. You know, they, they did probably, the, I'd say, oh, sorry. I said, I probably, I was going to say, I'd mimic the same thing. I mean, from a gear side or from the, what we see from the pro side, I mean, every, every pro that we talked to was doing another, hosting another small event, another small tournament, like, like kind of local stuff to their club, but they were selling them out. They were doing, they were making up events because people wanted more stuff. <laughs> and just, it was, it was crazy. Like everyone we talked to, like, we need more things. And, and, and on top of it, people wanted the gear. To, they didn't want to play. They wanted the gear to go with it because they're, they're new to playing. They want the cool stuff. And it was, it was pretty unique to see. And yeah. with, and, and, and Amin, uh, Jody touched on public access. You guys in Cleveland have just opened a new, new facility, right? It's under construction. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's, they broke ground and it's going up soon. Yeah. So that'll be, um, down like literally downtown Cleveland. Is that the flats? It is the flats. Yeah. Oh, wow. Is that, is that, there's been a whole, I remember when I was in college dating myself a little bit right now, kind of in the mid to late nineties, the flats was the place to go, but it kind of died off. Right. And it's back again. So the flats is very much the place to be. And it, this is a, like, there's rowing down there right on the river. So it's, uh, it's pretty cool. So is this gonna be is this gonna be huge for paddle as far as people seeing it and and wondering what it is and you think more people will join the sport? I do because Cleveland's very east side west side and this is being right in the center. There's no courts on not many courts. Or I think there's two courts on the west side. So this is gonna bring people from the east side downtown and guys that work downtown and from the west side is gonna be a central location. Um, and each actually a club where I am on the east side where we are starting in the. Um, we're putting in a brand new five court facility, new hut, new everything for this year. So it's, it's, wow. it's real, it's happening. Well, so that leads into one of my next questions is, do you guys get a sense for what kind of momentum with all these new players coming in this year? Do we, do we think this is going to be a, a one year thing and, and it'll go back the way it was previously, or is this up some momentum in it now? Uh, you know, I think it's, I don't think we keep everybody because some people will be going back, you know, to traveling a little more, but um, I, you know, we all, I mean, all of us play paddle and we're all, you know, we all know how, how addicting the sport is. And I think we'll have, we'll have had a lot of converts this year that wouldn't have potentially tried it out. So I, I think it's certainly going to be a net positive, hard to say how much more uh, positive. I know, you know, Bennett asked me a while earlier, do we, do we know how many more people played paddle this year? Um, I'd be curious any anecdotes you would have, but I just know from my club, I think our paddle membership went from 90 to 140 this year. So, um, you know, I, I don't think that's probably represented the entire country, but it's, I mean, COVID was clearly the, well, there are two reasons. We, we, we have a, a great pro now, Stephen Mitchell, um, which has really helped a lot. Um, but also, I, I just think a lot more people came out than would have because of uh, the pandemic. So I don't know. What, what have you guys seen in Chicago? Well, I, I, I think it's huge. Like I, I spend a lot of time over at Mary Dalton's place in Hinsdale and you can't get a court out there for love nor money. That's a six court facility. Uh, it's always packed. And you know, going to Jody's point with the flats in Cleveland, uh, I don't think I've never come across someone that's played the game and go, that sucked. Never doing that again. It's everyone who plays it. I think even if they've played it just for uh, this year, I, it, I don't see many people not doing it again. You know, I, you know, 
I think Cleveland, you're about to explode over there. I think you'll get more and more courts, you know, correct me if I'm yeah, wrong. Yeah, the big, you know, the big thing now for us is that, you know, we have one true paddle, you know, paddle certified pro in Cleveland. But I think with these new courts and new things happening, I think we're going to draw more teaching, paddle teaching pros to Cleveland, which will help, which will help raise the game as well. Hint, hint, nudge, nudge, Joe. Look out. Just throw my name out very, there. See, see, see what I did there? Just very, you know, very under the radar. Just put, you know, put it out there. That's my man. Love you, Jody. <laughs> you know, in uh, in doing our research for the uh, for the previous guests that we had on, we we did take a look through history and the, the champions previously. And we, we were trying to figure out if this was a sign of the evolution of the game where um, it went from maybe club players winning championships to pros winning championships. Because as you look through history, you see names like Jesse F. Samus III and Edward L. Winpenny Jr. and Oliver A. Kimberly Jr., Herbert Fitzgibbon II. And, uh, you know, it's not Johan Durant and uh, Drew Broderick. So we're, we're wondering, is is that where the evolution came from, from the, from the club players to the pros over the years? I mean, it's the same thing as golf, right? I mean, you think about you know, Bobby Jones and sure. yeah. right. Yeah. I mean, but we, we would like to make a push, uh, I mean, on behalf of our show that on your APTA website right now, it's just like Mark powers, John Hughes. I think we should start putting people's middle names back in there. Cause if, <laughs> if you went with, if you went with Andrew Cornelius Broderick, it would look so much cooler of winning nationals. I think that's where we need to go. Putting down on the agenda. You have no idea if he's a, you don't know if he's a club player or a pro, right? With that name. That's Absolutely. True. You'd have no idea. <laughs> yeah. That's good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, so, so uh, as we're getting close here to the to nationals, what, what are we, uh, any predictions on what's going to happen? Jody, go ahead. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I would, I would like the winner to have a fusion shirt on. Well, everyone has a fusion shirt on. Every time I watch the live stream in these days, everyone's got one of those blue hoodies or the uh, the blue uh, those blue dry fit shirts. Um, that's, ben, that's called hedging, and I'm doing. I, I think we're doing it well. You are doing very well, my friend. And you guys got a new logo too. I think I texted you before it actually gone out. It it looks great. We actually just did that, so we are in the process of rebranding. We dropped sports from our uh, from our name. We are just fusion uh new logo yeah it's uh it's not a side hustle business anymore it's a real thing so i know you're hedging your bets but there is a parsons that works for you correct yeah the better of the two parsons <laughs> is that the direction you're leaning as uh someone that might win nationals this year uh you I'm, still can't say I'm anything can say, you you've got too I, many fusion I just, players. I, yeah i want i want someone to fusion to win on i think i think that's why we hedge so well so well done. It'd be well cool done. to see. It'd be cool to see Mark win another one. I'll say that. It would, wouldn't it? And then uh, we're guessing. I mean, you can't answer this question either. Oh no, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm. I'm pulling for genius and admire. The, you know, the 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 underdog Boston uh, entry. Uh, so you know they almost took out uh, Compton and Kaler last year in the quarters, and uh, sure. you know, 
Uh, so I'm pulling for them and then I'm going to stick. This is how I'm getting around this question. I'm going to stick with my, with the, the Boston, the best Boston women's team, which is Vic Cran and Lindsay Herschel. So those are my picks. Okay, good. And uh, Steve bed went out, uh, you know, went out there a little bit. He picked Tyler Frazier and uh, Adam Morgan who have been on a run. Yes, they have. It's been impressive. They're fun, fun to watch. And Tyler is crazy out there on the court. It's uh, it's, it's entertaining. Tyler is hands down the worst warm up I've ever had for a match. It was, <laughs> you'd hit him a ball. All he would do was hit a cutter back to himself and then feed it in and hit him a ball. Another cutter back to himself. I, I went to start the match. I think I'd hit six balls for the entire warm up. It was, uh, it was, it was interesting. But you haven't, you've got to get a fusion shirt on those guys, Jody. That's, uh, yeah. Well, Tyler's got a few things, but yeah, there's a, that would be, that'd be the next one. You're, that's that's, a good the, call. that's Okay, that's the next team you're looking at. Good deal. <laughs> uh, hey, while we're on, uh, I, I know he listens to the show, and he's he's one of my favorite favorite people in the game of paddle. Uh, how's Mister Randy Markey doing? He's a big, big Cleveland uh, paddle guy. Randy's good. He actually had a, a kind of an arm injury that happened, so he's been rehabbing that. But he's been back on the court a bunch, and he's playing well, and you know, working hard at fusion, and you know. It's, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's back, he's, he's back playing and back, you know, he's rehab. So he's, he's good. Is he? Okay, good. Se- and se- seems like the year of injuries this year with, uh, with Amin going out for the year with injuries and, and Randy, I mean, there's two icons of the game going down with injuries. Oh, and like Graham's been out most of the year, Graham McNerney and a couple other guys, but, uh, you know, when, when Randy and Amin are out, it just takes something away from the. Yeah, the paddle paddle world really held their breath over. <laughs> I mean, you and I were going to win Toronto, and then COVID and your injury, and we just couldn't win it. Next year, next year we'll we'll do it. We'll go up. I'm hoping next year is the the tournament mecca. Like, it should be the best year for Fusion ever. I'm a great partner with the APTA, and uh, you know, this as tough as this year was, I'm hoping next year will be will be that much so much better than even last year. So. Uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to getting back out on the t- tournament circuit. It was tough not playing much paddle. Or any- I just play- played my first match last week. It was good to be out. Good to be back, but man, it was tough to be out through that that winter. Absolutely. And uh, so, Jody, if you would like to sponsor uh, Amin and I, we will live stream it off my phone, and we'll get those fusion shirts out there a little more for you. For Toronto, done. Oh, absolutely. Done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll wear them nonstop. Yeah. I'm telling you, if, if, if those guys if those guys will let us in their country, we'll have a great tournament this year. <laughs> I, I, I thought it was I thought I saw it was canceled. Or, oh, was hey, it? I, I believe I it is. Yeah, oh, that's too bad. Next year, next year. All right. Well, thanks thanks a lot, guys, for uh, for for the insight. It's uh, we're certainly looking forward to the the, the countdown to nationals, and uh, it, even though it's been a weird year, it should be a great national tournament. So we're looking forward to it. We'll appreciate what all you guys have done this year to, to, to keep the paddle uh, fires burning for all of us and uh, continue to do it right through through April, which is a little longer than normal. But uh, thank you, guys. You, I think you guys do a great job. Well, thank you. Thank you. Jody, you be safe in Florida. <laughs> I'll do my best. Thanks for I, uh, having me. I, 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 I didn't realize you were so bougie. You know, paddles a downstep uh, for you. Or oh, horses in Florida. Uh, yeah. That's very, uh, look at you. Remember, I, I remember I'm at home working, right? So just have to be out here for spring break. Let's just put it all in perspective. <laughs> all right, guys. Thank you so much for taking time on your Sunday evening. We really do appreciate it. 
Have a good night, guys. Thanks. Thanks, Thanks guys. Cheers, mate. Today's episode of Inside the Wires has been brought to you by Maserati. When you've played an absolutely terrible match, it's time to trunk slam it and peel out of the country club parking lot. Leave in style. Leave in a Maserati. All right, fade to black, roll the credits, play my music. Anton Prasenko, you now have our longest episode ever to go have a great workout to. Uh, we hope everyone enjoyed uh, a couple of legends of the sport and Steve Baird and Henry Irvine. And then the, you know, truly the man that's taken our game to to a next level, along with Tian and Cavana. We've got Amin Kaduri joined us, who is, uh, he's always so much fun to talk to. And then, you know, a good friend of mine and, and just the nicest guy. If you ever see him around a tournament, you know, slinging t-shirts and hooded sweatshirts, go say hi. It's uh, Jody Herzog. He's always fun to talk to. And really, truly, they do they do make the best products in the game. So if you're looking for anything, you know, call Fusion, whether it's backpacks, sweatshirts, Yeti mugs, you name it, go see those guys. So as usual, thank you so much for listening. I'm Ben. That's Noah over there. We're out.